My guest today is Janet Shine, CEO of JS Group. Welcome, Janet. Welcome to the Women in Tech Podcast, a special series of Heads in the Cloud episodes hosted by Michelle Licardi, President and Chief Revenue Officer of Star to Star. Welcome, everyone, to Heads in the Cloud. I'm Michelle Accardi, President and CRO of Star to Star, and I'm leading our ongoing discussion about women in tech. My guest today is Janet Shine, CEO of JS Group. Janet is a bit of a legend in the channel, uh, holding senior roles at Office Depot, Verizon, Motorola. She's considered an expert in mobility, IoT, services and solution routes to market, the channel. So welcome, Janet. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. And I'm, I'm a big admirer of yours, as you know. So it's a just a delight for me to be on your podcast. So thanks for having me. Thanks so much. I feel the same way about you. You've just had such an awesome, illustrious uh, career. Uh, and it's great to see women like you who have been successful in corporate America and then taken that into an entrepreneurial endeavor. So um uh, just an honor to have you. And and I thought we'd start the conversation today with some recent news released by McKinsey and Company on Women in the Workplace. Uh, McKinsey reports that one in four women are considering downshifting their careers or leaving the workforce due to the impact of COVID-19. For the first time in six years, the report has been done. Researchers see evidence of women leaving at a higher rate than men. What do you think about this? You know, it's an epidemic. Uh, it's and it's sickening. It's upsetting, right? You and I've been in the channel uh, and in technology a long time, and we're well aware how difficult it is to be a woman in business and technology and anything else with all the demands on our time, right? With the, you know, we want to be great at our career, but while we're being great at our career, we feel very guilty about what's happening at home. And when we're at home, uh, being good at being mom, parent, friend, you know, wife, you know, partner, we feel guilty about the work we're not getting done. And so there was always this myth that there was work-life balance during COVID, it became work-life integration, right? It kind of just your work and your life just became one big blob. And mom uh, ended up the primary caretaker, bottle washer, chief cook, entertainer, teacher. And she got no encouragement from her network to stick with her job. This is reality. There was a study that was done years ago by Fortune that showed that women were four times more likely already to drop out of a big career. And why, what happened? And they surveyed 2,500 men and women, and this always stuck with me, Michelle. So when a man complained about their job and the stress of their job, 93% of the time, the person they complained to encouraged them to either speak to a boss, get a new job, ask for a promotion, ask for a raise, switch companies. No one said, you know what you should do? You should go part-time. You should not work. You should stay home. But in 63% of the cases when a woman asked what they should do because they were stressed, 63% of the time, the solution was take a lesser job, don't work at all. Um, and by the way, that's happening again now. And that to me is one of the big causes of why women drop out that lack of support, right. In their network mm. that, that the easy answer is drop out. 
versus change our companies, change how we do things. Yeah, that's that that is that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I can't imagine um, wanting to downsize my career um, because I have a family, but I certainly have seen that happen uh, in the industry before and around me. But it's it's really sad to see it happening. Uh, at the pace that it's happening now. But do you think that, you know, as kids go back to school, uh, this a lesson going forward? Or do you think that this just continues to be an epidemic? You know, it's such a great question. And I, I agree with what you just said. And by the way, the industry would mourn if you decided to do that. So you can never uh, downsize <laughs> your career. Uh, I feel I'm in the same position. I would not downsize mine. Um, I think that with schools reopening and things starting to get better, um, there's a chance that some of the women who are, you know, teetering on the edge um, could come back. But the issue is so many people changed their lifestyle um, in reaction to uh, the pandemic. So many people um, bought into working remote. And so, you know, the industries will have to change to allow those families now to have a different lifestyle, right? We see a lot of people pull up, uh, you know, pull up stakes and move out of cities as an example, a lot of families. And, you know, yeah. now, you know, the, the parents can't be expected to all of a sudden now take an hour and a half commute uh, on top of what is already, you know, a difficult time. Yeah. And I think companies are definitely, I mean, look, that's, it's why it's been a great boon for companies like Start a Star with regards to, you know, enabling video meeting, collaboration from a distance, because again, I don't think it's going to go back to the way it was. I don't think it can, um, frankly, you know, I, I'm hopeful that the fact that the cloud and communications collaboration are able to enable people, um, that we can get more women back into the workforce and, you know, stop this epidemic. I, I think flexibility, agility, and, and again, using the tools that we have, um, right. that's going to be the way to make, you know, make, it, make it be so we don't lose these women in the workforce. Um, so two things on that. So first of all, JS Group is a star to star work environment. We are completely remote. We use the tools, right? We're, we're so excited to be able to, and it was so good for our business um, to do that and for our lifestyle. So that's the first thing. I agree with you. The tools that companies like yours have put out there um, have really eased the remote, you know, transition. Now, as we go into hybrid, I also agree with you, this is going to be a challenge um, for companies who are going to have to, and as we remember, the vast majority of them prior to the pandemic did not believe in remote work. They're going to have to continue to stress their, uh, their organization to work in a hybrid manner. Some people want to go back or could go back a few days a week. A lot of people are going to work remote. When we think about women, um, you know, there's just a lot of things that have changed, many things that are now closed or haven't opened back up or that have restrictions still and, and will, you know, likely for the coming, you know, years um, due to the pandemic. And so I think that flexibility that you talk about is really, really important and understanding this need to sometimes, you know, work a different schedule because you have to pick up a kid yeah. or have a sick child or whatever and understand that the work gets done. It's not about the, you know, work is, is no longer a destination, right? It, it's just kind of something that's immersive. Let people do the work when they need to do the work. That, that I think would be very helpful for women. The final thing I'll say, and I'll actually ask 
view this question back is the pandemic brought with it a certain expectation of working, in my opinion, too many hours. You were home, you might as well work. Um, and that also, I think, was part of the burnout of women. I don't know if you've seen that or had or, or talked about that in any conversations oh, with look, any I've, other women. I felt it. I've lived it. <laughs> right? I felt it. it. I've lived it. Right. It, um, you know that that you know, but I, I think there, um, you know, people like myself can do a better job of you know of self regulating because I do think people look to their leaders uh, to see what they're doing and emulating what they do or don't do. Um, and, and I can tell you that, you know, certainly there were times during the pandemic where I think I, you know, I started at six in the morning and didn't end till, you know, way into the, into the evening hours. Um, you know, again, because it was just there, right. It wasn't turned right. off and, and everyone was around, right. <laughs> right. Everyone um, was around. The expectation was you had nothing else to do. Um, so you might as well work. We all fell into that trap. And I think particularly for women getting back out of that track, because we do, and, and, and they claim it's genetic. So I'm going to go there. They claim <laughs> women have a heavier sense of guilt for not completing things, not doing things, not participating in things. So I feel as if for a lot of women I've talked to who are considering dropping out, um, and I'm trying, of course, to talk them out of it. Part of it is that, you know, the myth of work-life balance was already broken. Now it's shattered. Yeah. Um, and, and they're just tired of watching their children's tears um, as they take yet another meeting um, at a time or, or a place that it shouldn't be expected that people do that. Yeah. You know, the, only, the other thing I'll say there is like, I, I think women do put this guilt on themselves. I, I found, you know, and I've got six kids that range in age from 24 and out of the house to two and a half year old twin. You know, I, I think my kids though, when they see that I'm a, like, they've been, they've certainly been used to the last year of me being around. But a lot of right. the older kids are like, Joe, when are you getting on the road? You know, they're my stepchildren. <laughs> they're like, you need, like, we know that you're itching to get out there. Uh, um, uh, you know, so I think your children tend to know you. And I think a lot of the guilt is stuff that we put on ourselves. Like, I can tell you, like the first, I went on a business trip for the first time. Um, I've only taken a few business trips via, uh, during, during the pandemic, but I took one last week. And the first day away from my two and a half year olds, uh, you know, uh, my, my son Logan was like, you know, looking, my husband's like, he's looking for you crying, but by day two, he didn't even realize I was gone. You know, he was, you know, all integrated with his daddy and his, and, and his sister and, and his dad, you know, like, and then he was happy to be FaceTiming with me at night. Um, so, I mean, that's the, um, you know, that's the reality of, of being a working mom. Uh, out there that, that, again, I think we put the guilt on ourselves because we see our kids, you know, again, they have the teardrops for, for a day, but they are really resilient. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're nearly as resilient as they are, frankly. Well, <laughs> so, you know what? I, uh, you I know, agree. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know, the, the, the other thing that I'm, I get concerned about though, is, you know, with all the change and women taking a step back, and or the people using collaboration and communication tools, um, you know, they're now saying like women won't equity until 2106 in what I read, 
Um, and I know. if that's the case, you can see why people would just want to be like, I'm going to opt out. So, right. you know, how do we not let, let the fact that people can have more work-life integration get in the way of, you know, making sure that women are making as much money uh, as they deserve? Listen, we, we live in a world where there are more CEOs named John in the Fortune 2000 than there are women. Um, and that's frustrating, right? Because it means that not only are women earning less, uh, and we've all seen those statistics, um, but they also have less opportunity to get into a role that you know naturally pays more. And so I think there's a few things that have to happen. The first, which I think is very healthy, is many states like California and others have put in place um, regulations that don't allow you to ask somebody what they made in their last job when you're hiring them. And I think that's really important because women often get paid less because they were paid less in their last job. Now they go into a new job and the person looks at what they used to make and they say, oh, well, if I give them a 10% raise from that, they're going to be very happy. The problem is they were already 20% under the market. Yeah. So they're still 10% under the market now. So I think that's really healthy, right? Legislation that says we're going to have pay equality, not just because you report what you pay people, but because we stop putting people under the pressure of because you made less, you will always make less. So I think that's really healthy. I think it could speed that timeline up, not enough to get us over the appalling date of, you know, when yeah. our grandkids are, you know, <laughs> grandparents. Um, but, but I think the second thing is women talking about money. And you and I've had these conversations. Um, and I think you remember, I think you and I were the two people, you know, laughing and raising our hands uh, about two years ago when we were all together. And I was asked on a panel, why I pursued a leadership position. And every other person on the panel said something nice, uh, like, oh, I wanted to be an inspiration. And I said, oh, I did it for the money. And I remember catching your eye. It was at a Alliances Channel Woman event, I think at CP Expo. And I remember you were like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, thumbs up. <laughs> well, and I don't think there's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful and wanting Ex to earn money. Exactly. I think that that's the challenge is, is, you know, I don't think that we have been um, conditioned or taught that it's okay to have those monetary discussions. Um, and I, I, I know I'm having those conversations. You know, I have those conversations um, with employees. I have them with my older daughters, right? I have, I've got one daughter who decided not to go the college route, um, but I tell her all the time, like, you know, when you present yourself and you're resume, you have value. It doesn't matter whether or not you went to college or didn't, you have knowledge. So the knowledge you have is, has a certain level of value and you put, you have to quantify that. That's um, right. Don't let other quantify that. Um, oh, I love that. Talk, nobody, nobody taught and taught me that when I was young. Like I was always the person in my younger part of my career where I didn't ask for a raise. I didn't, I just was like, I'm going to work hard, so hard. They're going to notice me. And thankfully I worked for some really amazing bosses over the years who did, but that isn't, but by the way, it took me longer to get to the level that, uh, than it should have. That's right. Um, it, because it, I didn't ask. That's right. And I love that you said, cause you didn't ask. So this is the thing. Women don't talk enough about money. This is Janet's personal viewpoint. Uh, I'm on a personal mission to get women to talk more about money, um, plan money, right? There's ways to make more money. 
um, for example, by asking for a raise or uh, even by doing side gigs, right, et cetera. Um, there's also ways to save better, right? Uh, less expenditures or do better with your investments. But the, the startling statistic is that women are half as likely to have a written financial plan as their male counterparts early um, in their career prior to becoming part of a we, right? Yeah. When you're still a me. Um, and then that carries into when they become, if they become uh, a we. Mm -hmm. And so they, from the very start, right? They, they, they planned less for money. And when you plan less and talk less and strategize less around money, you're less likely to ask for a raise. And so whenever I speak with women, I always say, look, one, go to Glassdoor, go to LinkedIn Salary Insights, talk to other people in the industry, know what you're worth. Know what you're worth, put it in your financial plan, put your career plan together that says, this is where I want to go. And this is how much I want to make when I get there and how much I want to make along the way. And then have the conversation, whether you're self-employed and it means, hey, you know what? I can't sleep until 11 every day, right? I'm going to have to get up and, and take more clients. Or whether you're uh, working for someone, have the honest discussion. You may not get the raise you want, but if you don't ask and if you don't say, when can I follow up on that? when can we talk again about this? You're guaranteed to be at the back of the train for, for raises. And so I really think, Michelle, that, that that concept of women having a financial plan and then you know, kind of driving towards that plan is a big gap. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And, and I'm so glad that you have taken that platform. It is, it's so necessary. Uh, as I said, as I work with you know, young women that are employees and I, you know, and, and sometimes I see, oh, they're not opting into the 401k plan that we do a match on. And I'm like, why, why are you not, why are you right. not doing this? Uh, free money to you. Um, you know, or, or, you know, a lot of times, you know, blocking out of taking health insurance or, you know, uh, all of these different areas where, um, I think when you get older, you get maybe a little wiser, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, but then it's, it can become crisis, right? If you haven't done the right financial planning earlier. And, and again, I don't think anyone is having those conversations. So it's so great to see someone at your level who's, you know, bringing that platform uh, to bear. So what I from you is, you know, certainly that we're going to have to have more flexibility uh, and we can't ignore that women leaving the workforce is a real issue. Um, and we've got to treat, treat it like any other crisis. We got to put, put the war room in place uh, and start working on a solution. You know, women leaving the workforce will not make better outcomes any way we look at it, um, at least from my perspective. And, you know, I'm just so happy that I was able to have you on this episode to, to share your views. Um, and I don't know if you have any closing commentary uh, for everyone. <laughs> I do. I have three pieces of closing commentary. So the first one is very practical and tactical. Uh, we formed a group on Facebook called Tech World Half. If you can't find it, um, my name is Janet Shines. Hopefully most of you know me, but it'll also show in the podcast. Um, just search me on Facebook, send me a quick message, and I'll make sure you get invited. Tech World Half is 100% um, dedicated to keeping women in technology. It's women in the technology industry, primarily the channel, helping other women stay in the industry. So if you don't like your role, 
Um, don't leave the industry, leave the role. Uh, and we constantly have jobs posted there. We have mentors available there. Um, it is all done not for profit. And so please, if you need help or want to help, uh, make sure you join us there. I also find that it's a very encouraging group sharing a lot of good learnings and knowledge. So that's my practical tactical tip. Um, my second two are less practical uh, and tactical and more strategic. So the first one is you have to have a written career plan write it down. Where are you going? Um, be optimistic, right? Pick a higher role than maybe you think you're going to uh, go for, but but write it down and, and understand the experiences that you need to get there. Once you understand those experiences that you need to get to the role you, you know, think of as your ultimate role, you know, use Michelle as your, you know, your North Star, right? A female president and CRO. That's amazing in our industry. You know, be that person and then go and look for mentors that will help you to get those experiences, the things you're missing that would get you to where you want to get to. Be purposeful. You'll need multiple mentors, but those mentors can also help you in that moment when you're thinking about dropping out, right? Because they'll say, they'll, they'll know, hey, I've been there before. Here's some coping strategies. Here's some things you can do. Here's a way to have that conversation with your boss or whoever, you know, about the stress that you're under. So that's my second. And then my final thing is, um, you also need sponsors. So mentors and sponsors are different people. Sponsors are the people who will stand up for you and fight for you when it comes time for a raise, a promotion, a job in a new uh, company, a recommendation, et cetera. They're different than a mentor. They're people typically in power, um, people typically that you're looking to sponsor you, endorse you, et cetera. And you need those as well so that when you do think about making that change instead of dropping out, making that change that would let you have the career you want um, and, and encourage you to stay in the industry, that those sponsors are there to serve as your recommenders, as your endorsers, as people that would support you in that role. So th that's my one, two, three pieces of information, Michelle, uh, that I hope will help to keep us all not only in the workforce and in the industry, but reaching for the stars and attaining them like you've done. I, I love it, Janet, and, and you've been an inspiration to me on, on this, a really great advice. I guess that's it for this episode. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and share with your coworkers. You can find us on your favorite podcasting platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find and listen to podcasts. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and a big thank you to Janet for the great discussion and leadership. 